Welcome into another edition of Designated for Assignment. I am Josh Goldberg. Another uh, wild and wacky week for the Blue Jays. Uh, swept by the Phillies, and then they sweep the uh, really good Atlanta Braves. And uh, a treat, as always, uh, Caitlin McGrath of The Athletic is joining us to break it down. And uh, good to talk to you, as always. Thanks for doing it. And, mm-hmm. like, this is such a weird... It's been such a strange season to me. Like, uh, I... I this is a good team. I don't, it's different than I thought it would be. Like they're not hitting as many home runs. Uh, they're stealing a lot of bases. Like we saw it a bunch of times in the Brave series where, um, you know, like they were manufacturing runs. They only hit two home runs in, in those three games. Like, I guess it's been over a month since we last spoke. Like, what are your impressions of how this team is sort of coming together? Is it is it different than you thought it would be? Like, is it, are they playing a different brand of baseball than you expected? Um, yeah, it is different from years past, like the way that they were so home run dominant and so ho- and relied a lot on the home run in years past. It hasn't been that way. I mean, part of that is probably just some of their guys like have some of their usual home run hitters, I guess, haven't got off to best starts. I'm thinking of namely George Springer. I mean, I know he hit a home run in the series against the Braves on Sunday, but it feels like he's still kind of finding that like home run stroke of his. And so he, if he comes along, like maybe then the homers go up a little bit. Varsho is kind of into it now, but like he was kind of off to a bit of a slow start as well. And so I wonder too, if like, as the weather gets warmer, the Blue Jays have always been kind of a, warm weather team mm-hmm. in some respects like I feel like they've gotten hotter as the summer's gone on and it's yeah. been like that in years past too so I do wonder if the home runs will kind of like come along as the season keeps going but yeah I mean I think that it's different than years past but kind of more what I was expecting this year like I think it was obvious that the offense was gonna like take us not like a step back in the sense like they're they're not as good, but it was like just not going to be as overwhelming. I think in years past, like the way like that, I think if you go back to like 2021 and 2022, I think they're probably like leading the league or one of the top OPS teams. And then this year they're still in like the top 10, but it's not as dominant um, the way that they have been in years past, but like they can do it different ways. And I think that I kind of prefer that. I mean, we saw we saw them have really dominant offenses and it still kind of wasn't enough to push this team over the edge. And so having guys like Whit Merrifield who can steal bags, um, put the bat on the ball a lot more consistently in sort of the middle to bottom part of their lineup, I think is something that they were missing before. And we have seen him sort of be like key to them this season. Kevin Kiermeyer at the bottom of the lineup has been great. Like he said all along that he wants to be like the best number nine hitter. And he has been one of the, mm-hmm. I haven't looked at the stats, but I would he assume has, he's yeah. been one of the best ones. So I think that, you know, one of the things is they're not getting anything from their bench players yet, which feels like that it's not like a huge issue in the sense of like, you know, no team is necessarily re- relying on their bench spots to drive the team or drive the offense. But that feels like something that's worth monitoring because I think sort of World Series contending teams 
do have those guys that can sort of step off the bench and do something with a a window of opportunity feels like it's such a small thing, but you know, that's probably something to watch for like trade deadline and stuff like that. Um, But yeah, I mean, the offense definitely different, but I think it's working for them. Like, I think that, you know, Friday's game was a good one where they just were so opportunistic with their scoring, especially against a guy like Spencer Strider, who's really, really good. Yeah. So I think like, the the glass half full look at it is they're still performing relatively well despite some guys like you said not performing relative to expectations like Dal- Dalton Varsho had a really good month of May um, Matt Chapman has really cooled off in the month of May like Bo and Vlad have been relatively consistent all year and to me like I've always said this since Springer joined here that he is like the real barometer for how this lineup is or isn't producing. Like they're good enough that if he's scuffling, relatively speaking, they can still be an above average offense because there's so much talent throughout the rest of the order. But I think for them to be at their absolute best, he is as important as anyone in that order, just what he's capable of doing, how dynamic he is atop the lineup. So like the fact that they're still relatively productive and they're well above 500 with him being i would say bad like i i don't like below average for sure for him bad objectively speaking probably not that bad but he hasn't had a signature stretch yet um like it, it was encouraging to see him hit that home run like you said but i just feel like he's due for that and then i feel like if he has that type of level of production at some point it's infectious. Like I just feel like his whole personality and his style resonates throughout the rest of, of the lineup. And once that inevitably happens, then maybe we might see a trickle down effect where we start to see more of those crooked numbers that we've mm-hmm. become accustomed to seeing from this team. Yeah. And he seems to be like somewhat coming out of it, like the home run. It was, he had this sort of pivotal knock and yep. Friday's game, right. Where, you know, he's just putting a good swing on it, hitting the ball hard. It's weird. He's had a weird season because it felt like early um, or sort of mid-April-ish, he was hitting the ball really hard and it was just going directly at people. Yeah. Like there was that series in Houston where it felt like he hit every ball super hard into like the deepest part of that field and nothing was dropping for him. And then sort of shortly after that, he got really sick. And he was battling this illness for honestly what felt like a week and a half to two weeks almost. Um, It feels like he's out of it now and he's not feeling sick anymore. And so I think if you sort of take the health of it and then you also take like he was just had a ton of bad luck in terms of batted balls, like signs suggest that the real George Springer should emerge at some point now that he's feeling better. And, you know, maybe some of those balls will start to drop as obviously we saw a little bit this past weekend, but I agree with you. Like he's just such a pivotal part because also he's a leadoff hitter. He's a really good leadoff hitter and he's aggressive up there. And there's a lot of times where he can immediately put the blue Jays up like one, nothing mm-hmm. in, um in the first inning. We haven't seen him do that a ton this year, but he's certainly like capable of doing that still. Yeah. Like I've seen like a lot of, well, Whit Merrifield's your prototypical leadoff hitter, like bat to ball skills, speed, that sort of thing. Why not give him a chance um, leading off 
uh, when he's been performing so well. And like, I suppose I see where that line of thinking comes from, but like, I, to me, George Springer is when he's at his best, probably outside of Ronald Acuna is the best leadoff hitter I would say in the league. And George Springer has outside of when he came back the first time in 2021 has exclusively let off. I just don't want to mess with that. Like if he's mm-hmm. going to get going, I want it to be at the leadoff spot because that's where he's at his best. And that's where his team historically, when it, whether it was with the Astros or with the Blue Jays are at its best when he's performing out of the leadoff spot. So like Merrifield, I think can be effective regardless of where you slot him in the order. And mm-hmm. I think Springer is more likely to be at his best where he's most comfortable, which is leading him. Yeah, I agree. And also I would say Wit, while I sort of get why he's seen as a prototypical, when the Blue Jays haven't had Springer, they've gone with Bo mm-hmm. in the leadoff spot. And I actually kind of like Bo in the leadoff. I mean, yep. he did really well with it when he was doing it. I think he had that five, did he have that high five hit game? I think in Boston, so, yeah. in Boston mm-hmm. when George was out of the lineup. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I, I don't, I don't foresee there being any sort of significant changes to the lineup as long as like all those guys are healthy. Okay. So I wanted to talk a little bit. I, I think we're probably in lockstep on this. The, the stuff on, on Sunday in that game against the Braves, like with the hustle, you know, there was a lot of consternation and hand wringing about several plays, um, you know, Springer, the first inning there, I don't really, there was a good overhead angle of it. I didn't really have much of an issue. Like that's a tough read on a ball. Could he have scored? Should he have scored? Maybe, but you know, that one, I'm not really that upset about like the bow ball that he didn't run and then stopped and then tried to go to second. Like you you could tell he was pissed and he knew he messed that one up. And then the Vladdy thing, you know, like a home run hitter, usually they have a pretty good instinct when it comes to how they're able to make contact and whether it's going to go out. And he clearly thought it was going out. It doesn't excuse not hustling because, you know, you know, worst case scenario, if you hit a home run and you're hustling, you slow down and then you can resume your trot around the bases. Mm-hmm. So that's the one, especially since it was the ninth inning that I think is the most egregious is probably the word that I would use. Like John Schneider talked about it after the game. You know, we can't have that sort of thing. I'm pretty sure it happened last year and he, he didn't bench Vladdy, but he, he gave him a pretty good public dressing down, like basically said that that kind of stuff is unacceptable. And you know, Vladdy pointed at himself at first base, obviously they ended up winning the game. Like, I don't want to go too deep on it. Like, I don't think that there's some 10,000 foot view we can take where, you know, the Blue Jays best players don't give it their all and they don't work hard enough and that sort of thing. Like, I think it's just in the course of a long season, stuff like this happens. And I assume that it is addressed in some way, shape or form in that clubhouse where it doesn't become a thing. And I think, you know, maybe this team is more equipped to handle stuff like that and not allow it to turn into anything more than a one-off or a very rare blip in the radar. Yeah, I would agree with what you, how you summed it up. And <clears throat> I think that, yeah, there is sort of like um background and context to it happening in the past with Laddie. At the same time, it doesn't happen often. Like we do have, you know, a few other instances of it, but generally speaking, he when he's he is a good base runner or he at yeah. least hustles a lot on the bases. Mm-hmm. We've seen him do that quite a bit this year actually, I think. Um and he's improved at it. And I think afterwards, like 
Schneider did sort of point out probably should have been on second base at this, but in the sort of the same, the next breath, he also said like, they kind of thought he had it. Vladdy has a good idea usually of when he does have it. Like he's, he knows his own power, his own strength. There was a lot of weird wind, I think down on field level at the Roger center on Sunday. And so I think that some of those things were contributing to it. Maybe, you know, a different weather event uh, day, it would have gone out or whatever. Yeah. So I think that, yeah, I mean, it helped that they won um, sort of didn't end up totally mattering even and at bat later or two at bat later when Matt Chapman walked anyway, it's like, okay, that's on second now. Yeah. Um, so I think the whole way that the, um, that inning transpired, it kind of sort of papered over it. And I think that also we have to acknowledge that Vladdy got that inning going, like he yeah. had a hit. Um, and it's funny though, because there's, I've, I, we've all seen many times where Vlad will hit the ball so hard that sometimes he gets these really long singles. I mean, I I think if he had hustled, he would have got he he probably would have been it. Would have been close. Like, like Acuna can it, throw. That's what I mean. Like it was one of those weird ones where it's like sometimes he hits the ball so hard mm-hmm. that it bounces so back to the field the outfielder so quickly that it's actually sometimes like just long singles for him. That was a really weird play. Um, but still the fact of the matter is he should have been running and then the bow thing. Yeah. It's like, bow, you want, you sort of understand like that ball is so hard to read because you think it's really just an easy pop up. Normally those things are caught. And once he, once it drops, you just hope that he sort of stays at first, I think, and doesn't try to push it. Um, it's it's one of those things where if it does work out though, if the throw is offline, then it looks like oh wow, what a hustle, you know what I mean? So it's one of these. It, it is you know I think you can go back and forth and you can debate it and you can just talk yourself in circles with some of these stuff. I think the the main point is yeah, hustling a little bit more. I think Schneider made it the point saying like the Blue Jays maybe should have been more aware yesterday of the troubles that the Braves were having with catching these balls and yeah. communicating and the wind and all that stuff that was going on, that maybe they should have been reading the game situations more and not sort of trotting out of the box. They normally would. Um, I think that was sort of the larger point is like, let's be more aware of what has been happening in the game and read the game situations more so than like a huge theme of like, do the blue Jays players not hustle out of the box enough? Cause I don't think it is, a large theme i think it was one of those things where let's be more aware of what's been happening in this game and be responding to it and kind of recognizing um because at that point i think Bo, that was like the, what, the third time <laughs> the braves had like dropped one of those so yeah. that was that to me is more the read on it like let's just you know be hyper focused all the time i think that's a really good point about thinking more along the lines of the specific situation in the game. Like you always want to be hustling, but you know, sometimes on plays like pop flies like that, that's a can of corn. I don't know how many times out of a thousand, like as a, as a big league out outfielder making that play, but considering mm-hmm. the circumstances, like you said, um, I, I think that that's a really good point that they probably should have taken that into account and approached it from a perspective of, you know, they they might give us something here. So let's do everything we possibly can to try and take advantage if they do give us one of those opportunities. One thing I, I definitely think like benching these guys for stuff like that, stupid, don't do it. Like 
there's ways that you can address things without making a concerted effort to make your team worse. And like, I just don't think that that accomplish as accomplishes anything productive. Like you're, what are you going to bench Vladdy for the first game against the Yankees to send him a message? Like, what's the message that you don't care about winning the game because you're benching your best player for one play. So I don't, I don't, I don't subscribe uh, to that line of thinking. Okay. I want to ask you um, about Chris Bassett, who has really been so good since the start of the season. Like he was terrible in St. Louis. And then it looked like he was going to be terrible against the angels. And then since he gave up that home run, basically to Mike Trout, yeah, he gave up the grand slam against the Mariners, but He's basically been lights out um, and doing it in the patented way where it's never going to be pretty. Um, it's never going to be dominant or overpowering, but he commands both sides of the plate. He can throw any pitch at you in any count, regardless of whether you're right-handed or left-handed um, hitter. So I guess my biggest thing with him, the surprising thing is that most of the success, I think outside of his first start against St. Louis, it's been Kirk catching him. Mm-hmm. And he just, I like not, I think Kirk is a very solid defensive catcher, but when Bassett signed, I just had a vision of Danny Jansen for whatever reason, being the guy that would be most likely to catch him. So like what stood out to you about like maybe why it's worked so well between those two. And, you know, like Bassett's not an easy guy to catch with the pitch calm and the variety of different stuff he throws. Like, I guess it's a a real positive takeaway that Kirk's been able to handle it so effectively. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting you asked that because it's sort of been something that I've been curious about and probably will (laughs) write about at some point, you know, talking to Bassett and talking to Kirk a little bit, be like, how did you guys form this relationship? Because I know I've read stories in the past about Chris Bassett where the catcher relationship is really crucial to him because, Uh, he throws so many pitches and this year there's another sort of wrench in it, like you said, of calling his own game and using the pitch calm and stuff like that. And so, you know, with Kirk, it's interesting. Like he's so blue. Jay- okay, so like the blue Jays catchers, they're both really good game callers. I think defensive catchers, they're really good. They're very good. Danny Jansen has a few more years of experience than Kirk does. Um, and so he's probably just has a little bit more, um, things to draw upon in terms of connecting with pitchers and and knowing, but I think that Kirk is very quietly, very effective at at that too. I think he's quite good at building relationships with his pitchers. I think that he is a pretty even keeled, relaxed guy. And I think that Chris Bassett, he is pretty intense on the mound. And I think that there's sort of similarities to me between Manoa and Bassett in terms of their intensity on the mound. I mean, most Blue Jays, a lot of the starters are, but those two stand out to me in terms of they just feel like they're every pitch is very like emotional and intense with them. And I feel like you can kind of feel it. And I feel like Kirk is a really nice counter to those guys because he doesn't really ever show his emotion on the field. He is just sort of like very even, very level. Um, I think it was so like, like what I, what I feel like sealed the relationship or it really is when you talked about that a start or sorry, the angel start where Bassett would like kind of look like he was frustrated with the pitch calm and like giving up 
home runs and it felt like Kirk there was like a mound visit and it was just like very calm very like and I feel like since then they've been together and I don't know like maybe it is just kind of a like a yin and a yang type of personality thing where it's like you've you're kind of countering the intensity with someone like Kirk who just brings like a very calm demeanor um and yeah, I think that that partnership has worked really well. And I'm actually curious and I'll, like I said, probably look into it. Like I'm curious about how they're building that and why it has worked so well. Um, What I just said is kind of my, uh, just kind of my take on it, I guess, or how I'm like reading the sort of personalities, but I'm sure there's a lot more to it as well. Yeah. It's just like, it, it just, it, wasn't what I expected and I like not in a good or a bad way it just it never really occurred to me like and like you said the the fact that like Kirk and Manoa had up until this year and I don't think that Manoa's struggles are a byproduct of anything Kirk is or isn't doing I think Manoa's struggles are just he's just not executing for whatever reason like mechanically like you know it just hasn't been sharp but they works really well basically right away like he has been his guy and the fact that, you know, like the, like you said, the yin and the yang of the really hyper-focused, competitive, driven, brash type of pitcher and the very calm, cool, collected catcher. I think that there's no coincidence that that's been a really good match. And the fact that, you know, Bassett, it's different, but he is like, you, we saw it he, with the iPad against the mirrors. Like he's clearly got a fuse that can run short um, if he's struggling or, you know, there are maybe some circumstances outside of his control that are a byproduct of those struggles. And maybe it is as simple as, you know, Kirk just being there and, you know, putting the glove in the same spot and knowing what you're going to get on the other side of the battery makes a difference. And it's interesting. Like, I, I hope like if you do, investigate I'm, i would be really fascinated curious to see you know like what sort of draws these two together and why mm-hmm. it's worked so well yeah and like not to say that danny jansen wouldn't be able to do the very same thing um he's very calm and uh, a steady force behind the plate too as well and i think we see that especially with kikuchi yes and lately with brios that yeah. partnership has worked so uh i think that you know with you're, you can't go wrong with either the Blue Jays catchers behind the plate. But I think with Bassett too, another element might just be like, it clicked with Kirk and you want just start building that. Because like I said, off the top, it's like he, he in particular needs a very consistent relationship with his catcher just because of the number of pitches. So it might've just been also like circumstances like, well, we've already have, we already have sort of Danny penciled in with Kikuchi and Gosman. Um, let's just stick Kirk and Bassett together because we think it works. Let's let them build that relationship and just run with it. Okay. So I I wanted to also get into Jordan Romano, who it's been a strange season. It hasn't been bad. Like there've been some bumpy outings. There are always going to be bumpy outings. It just feels like he always pitches in one run games. Like, Last year, all basically, it seemed like all of his saves were one run games. Like he, nobody pitched in more like the highest of high leverage. And there was a reason, you know, why he was one of the most valuable relievers because he did a really good job uh, for the most part in those situations. It's still been solid this year. Like a lot of his underlying numbers are really good, but it feels like, 
I like you and I talk and it just feels like sometimes you can tell pretty quickly when he takes the mound, whether he's going to be dominant or it might be one of those days where he has to just battle his ass off and figure out a way to maybe just get three outs without his best stuff. And a lot of times I'm always just looking at how much he uses his fastball. Like, is he going to be coming out aggressively with his fastball? And like, you can see the contrast in two outings over the past week, the one against the Phillies, he was just slider after slider. The fastball was just not there. And then against the Braves, he threw his fastball uh, 10 out of 15 pitches. He got five swinging strikes uh, and he only, he didn't get a singing swinging strike on his slider and his fastball is just so dominant. So like, I, what do you make of it? Because it just, is it just a feel thing? I, I'm really, because his fastball is good. Like it has capable of being great. It's just puzzling sometimes that he doesn't use it more often. And then it maybe allows hitters to just think slider and sit back on slider, knowing that that's pretty much what he's going to throw at you. Yeah. I'm sure that somewhat can be a feel thing. I think in the past, like if he hasn't been feeling the fastball, you'll see him go slider heavy, or if he's not locating it, you sort of have to abandon that and just hope that you can, get guys out with your slider and maybe land a fastball or two or get a guy to swing at a high one or whatever it may be. There's a lot of game planning in it to it as well. Like blue Jays do a ton of, um, you know, pre-series scouting and Jordan Romano will usually know obviously when he's coming into games. So you can kind of map out who he's going to be facing and sort of plan for that. So there's probably a lot of game planning going on with it too. I mean, like there was that I'm forgetting what, series it was but there was like a there was a game where he threw like 16 sliders or something like that and it's like obviously you can kind of read into that situation where it's like the team he was facing not great at hitting the slider you know so you might as well lean into that it's also still kind of early for him too I think there's probably time you have to give him time to sort of like get into a, a groove as well and I think there's a lot to like about his season. Like, I think he's throwing pretty hard. Um, The velocity is where you want it. The slider's breaking really well. Like, there's a lot. He's been great at home. That's another thing, too. I mean, the times that he's sort of had some hiccups, it's been on the road. And, like, closing on the road is tough. Like, it's it's very tough to do um, when you're a closer on the road. So, I think that at home he's got this great entrance he's got you know huge fan support uh there's uh you know i know i know a lot motivates him about pitching at home um not that he's not motivated on the road or anything but i mean like you just you feel that emotion i think more at home he's been perfect at home really done a good job and so i think that these are still sort of small samples and i think that as the season progresses and the sample size grows larger we're just going to see Jordan Romano kind of repeat repeat who he was last year and that's being a really really consistent good closer that the Blue Jays can rely upon and I think like this is just kind of the life of closers too like um obviously we see uh the Braves brought in their closer Iglesias yesterday didn't go so well for him like it happens that you know that happens to closers sometimes and Blue Jays were on the right side of it 
Um, I know with the Cleveland, like class A is having a weird start to his season. Mm-hmm. He's dominant, right? He throws really hard. He was dominant last year, almost unhittable at some points, but he's been having his troubles too. And so, you know, there's so much that goes into being a closer. It's sometimes not just your stuff. It's situation. It's all this stuff. It's, it is like, I know it's so cliche to say, and they say this all the time too. It's like not not all three outs are made the same or whatever that saying is like the last three are tough. The last three are very hard to get. We saw the blue Jays yesterday um, sort of prove that as like the, the Braves were leading the blue Jays looked almost on the brink, especially when you think of what happened with Vlad and like, Oh, like what's going to happen. They still came through and you know, it's tough. And so, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be worried about Jordan. No. And, and anyone who's like, Oh, he's kind of scuffling a little bit at times. Like you said, the number, the home road splits are very um, noticeable. Like he's not given up a run in seven innings at home. Only three hits. He's given up 11 hits, six runs um, on, on the road. And he's blown both of his saves on the road. And basically all, like you said, all of his bumpy outings have been on the road. So like, it's tougher, like you said, to pitch, um on the road but anyone who's just like oh well put eric swanson like people were trying to tell me oh nate pearson should be closing like no i'm sorry like like you said not all outs are created equal you could have the most overpowering stuff like nate pearson has dominant moments where he looks like he could be the best reliever in the league just on pure stuff alone but there's just a different mentality mindset that you need to be able to get outs in the ninth inning. Like Jordan Romano has it. Mm-hmm. There's no question about it. Like you can just tell the way that he carries himself. Like he has that indelible thing that closers need to have. And like you said, like good closers struggle all the time. Josh Hader was horrible last year in San Diego, lost his job, got it back, was really good in the playoffs, has been really good to start the season. It's just, it's a long year You know, you're not always going to be perfect. Like you're not, you just can't be Mariano Rivera. Like, (laughs) I don't know what your expectations are for your closer. Like, yeah, he's blown two saves. Like if he blows five or six this year and saves, you know, 36, 37, whatever it is, approaches 40 saves. I'm okay with that because I would say at least 80% of his outings probably are going to be really good. And you know, maybe 10% are not so good. And then there's five or 10% that are really bad. And I'll live with five or 10%. If 80 to 90% are at the very least good enough and at the very best dominant. So Mm -hmm. like, you know, you're trying to make a problem where there isn't one. If you're trying to really nitpick at what Jordan Romano is as a closer. Agree. Agree. Okay. We're tight on time. Uh, I appreciate you um, joining me and, uh, we're going to do it again down the line. Uh, big series here for the Blue Jays. Um, they are taking on the Yankees. Then they're taking on the Orioles. Uh, it's tough. They got the Rays after that, the Twins. The schedule is not relenting um, at all. So uh, it's sometime in June we'll reconvene and, and see uh, where the Blue Jays are at. Thanks as always, Caitlin. Yeah, of course. Anytime. That's Caitlin McGrath of The Athletic. Covers the Blue Jays. Find her stuff. Uh, as always, there are always really good things happening. Uh, when it comes to Caitlin covering the Blue Jays. And we appreciate her time. As always, we appreciate all of you listening. Uh, at DFA underscore pod is where you can find it. Rate, review, subscribe, like, comment, do all of those things. We appreciate it. I'm Josh Goldberg. As always, thanks for listening. We will talk to you next week on Designated for Assignment.